It's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Well, our guest today is George Del Porto. Yes, and, uh, George, you're you're, uh, you're living where now? Charleston, South Carolina. Wow, that's a beautiful city. I think. Yeah, he's been there a long time. I moved to Charleston in '68 right. and lived there till '74, and that's when I uh, that's when I met George. George, what year did you move to Charleston? Uh, 72, because I moved here from Nashville, actually, because I was at Vanderbilt. Wow. Ah, okay. Well, tell us about that. Uh, go ahead. That's where I got all the, the serious banjo influence was living in Nashville. It's been back in the <laughs> mid-late 60s. It was a great place. Yeah, I'd forgotten that you were there. Did they have the station in there then that was had bluegrass and yeah, stuff? Yeah, in fact, my Good friend and Plugas mentor, Red Smith, as one that was the founding member of the, of the uh, station. In oh, I started. Wow. Yeah, Red and Bertie Lee Smith and I were just really, really close friends. I was at Vanderbilt Medical School, and uh, it was great. You know, the office was still downtown, and they hadn't built I 40 or any of those things. So everybody, all the trucks came right down Broad Street, which was the main street in Nashville. <laughs> it was just like an overgrown country town. And when New Africa was out, you could go out like on Friday or Saturday night, you could cross the street, and there was the Ernest Hub record shop and all oh, that. Yeah. You didn't know who was going to show up. I yeah. mean, you know, after Jimmy Martin, it might be Ernest Hub himself. It was, just, it was crazy. You know, back in the 60s, it was a whole different scene. Wow. Much more friendly and people friendly. Yeah. But you discovered America up in Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where I was born. Yeah. And uh, Great Lake, Erie. So, so, uh, so we were talking about this a little bit, but, but you're a retired uh, doctor. So yeah. how does a doctor become, um, become a bluegrass play, I guess a blue, a blue, bluegrass playing doctor is, is how you would put that. I well, guess a lot of, a lot of physicians and other professional people like music. I think it's, you really escape in music, you know, I, mm-hmm. You can maybe escape reading a book, but if you really try to be a good musician, you know, you're totally in whatever you're doing. And so you uh, blank out everything else. And I think when you have a high pressure job, which surgery is, you kind of need that. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, it's like my best, one of my best buddies is a, not much younger than me, guys, just like 40, same age as my youngest son. And he lives a couple houses down from me. And he, he's an orthopedic surgeon. He finishes up early on Wednesday. He stops at my house and we play an hour or two. Wow. Um, he usually comes every week, or at least every other week. So, mm-hmm. you know, but an awful lot of uh, uh, positions, uh, I think, are musicians. Mm. And you know, it's all mathematics, and it's kind of it's kind of can be sort of an intellectual pursuit, you know, if you get into the theory and all that. So, yeah, yeah I've got a uh, I've got a, a hand doctor that I go to. Um, that uh, he talks to me about his guitar collection, you know, and oh yeah. He's able to afford some pretty nice things, but before yeah. you before you started trying to carve on a patient, <laughs> you were uh, you were. I don't think we want to we want to say it like that. Oh, know. sorry, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Man. We do edit, we do edit this stuff when I, it's all done. He carves me. Uh, he I've carves had surgery before, and I don't want to think about that. You know <laughs> that uh, they carve on me. So we'll do that, but let's go back to Erie. Let's go back to Erie, PA, and uh, tell the story about you learning guitar and banjo and all that. Yeah, well, um, Erie was kind of cool because it was a mill town, so that a lot of people came to work in the mill bed, you know, Griswold and 
Bissauer's here, you know, it was not making a very nice town, but it was a lot of employment up there. But so a lot of people came there to work. A lot of uh, foreign people came, like Europeans. But then a lot of people like from Appalachia came up there. So there's a pretty good group of, of people from West Virginia, which is the next state over in North Carolina and that up there, sort of like, you know, Detroit was the same way with the car industry, much bigger, of course. Mm-hmm. I know Jimmy Martin really got his real start in Detroit. But anyway, so um, I was exposed to all kinds of country music. You know, when you go places, there was a lot of a lot of country, some bluegrass, more on the line of country, but some bluegrass too. So I got to know different people, just got interested in music. When I was nine, I started playing the piano, and I was telling Jamie, that's how I got to read music, which is great. It really helped me check the now pursuing swing and all on fiddle. I am, I'm an unmanageable. And, um, but I probably started messing with a banjo when I was 16 or 18, something like that. And then when I went off to college some years later, then I really honed in on it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where it all started was up there. But uh, a friend of mine up there named Tom Holes was a, uh, He's actually a doctor, too. He's an internist. Actually, ENT. And he lives in Nashville now. And he uh, he had he played guitar, and I played banjo. So I was relatively young, in my 20-something. And uh, there was a guy out there named Seymour Weed, believe it or not. <laughs> he was a strange little guy, but he was a singer, and I forgot he played guitar. So he and Tom and I played around a little bit, playing mostly bluegrass, sort of bluegrass in country. Mm. And he wanted... He wanted to go professional. He wanted Tom and I to go with him. We, of course, we were both heading to college. We thought, well, that would not be too wise. <laughs> George, I remember you, You again, trust in memory. But I thought I remembered you having uh, an arch top like Ralph Stanley played. I uh, did. Yeah. I, had, I got that uh, when I was living, it was when I was in college, I think. And I got that in some little pawn shop or music shop and someplace down in southern Pennsylvania and that was a great sound of banjo. I still have it. Oh good. And I got it and I played it for the longest time. But then when I actually shortly after I moved to Nashville um, to Charleston, of course I knew George Groon from being in, in Nashville. Of course everybody wanted a pre war flathead so I told George to you know, if you ever got one in, it, it let me know. So he said, we moved to Charleston, to Nashville. Sorry, my, my memory. <laughs> we moved to Charleston, and shortly afterwards, um, uh, we get this postcard saying that he had this, he thought it was a 38 pre-war flathead tenor banjo. Mm. And I bought it for the grandson of $2,000. Well, that doesn't sound like much money for a banjo, which now is worth quite a bit of money. But yeah. we had just sold a very nice house in Nashville for $16,000, $17,000. So, you know, uh, this is, you know uh, inflation does catch up with us. Yeah. So I got that, and I had Randy Wood put a neck on it, and it was a great, great banjo. And I had it and played it as the band that I played. I don't know if I had that when you were here or not, Jamie. You probably just, by the time I got that banjo, you might have already left. I didn't realize you left that early. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, man. Like I, you left that early. Uh, I yeah. really, uh, you know, I moved from Charleston to Louisville, Kentucky. And, oh, wow. And yeah, I can't exactly say it was a bad move musically because. Oh, no, not at all. Way better than Charleston. Yeah, I, I met um, 
I met Lonnie Pierce and Danny Jones and got to pick one. Oh, really? One. I uh, know those guys. I don't know them personally. I know other Oh, uh, Danny became a really close friend of mine. He's he's come down to Houston and and visited. And uh, Art Stamper used to come to my basement oh, and, uh, and jam really? all the time. I've met Art. He's one of the sweetest guys. I had a story. I, I was up to, um, I think, one of those U-tab, uh, what do you call Acu-tab sessions that you said up in Roanoke. And I had met uh, and Art was there, and so we were all kind of playing along when I was playing now, I guess. When we were done, he just stopped. He thanked everyone for playing him, shook everybody's hand. He was the kindest, most gentle person he, uh, I'd ever met. Yeah, he was a barber there in Louisville, and uh, and just a, a wonderful guy. He and Danny went and played for a few years with the Goins brothers, oh, and, yeah. and sometime we'll... Uh, well, I'll well, see, that's all my era, and that's you know, when I lived up there, see, we could in Erie, and that's why I got into bluegrass and, and sort of swing stuff because we could pick up this Canadian, uh, it's a great station from Can- Toronto, Canada, and uh, we could pick all that up. We hear all this crazy jazz, everything from Bob Wills to real whatever was modern jazz at that time, but we could also get WSM. So we got we could get some great stuff on radio, and of course we heard the Goins Brothers, and and then when you go to in Pennsylvania, all those bands came through and played. I mean, I saw the Stanley Brothers and Reno and Smiley, and all those guys were regularly in Pennsylvania. I mean, they they came there all the time, and so because uh, you know they weren't they weren't real big back then, and they played in these little towns, you know. And uh, we now I, I saw those guys all the time growing up. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, then I moved f- from uh, Louisville to uh, to Texas to Fort Worth in '79, and so uh, okay, here's this bluegrass guy. Although I was already in Charleston, I did some country with some country pickers, but so I get to uh, I get to Fort Worth, and um, I'm trying to do some bluegrass and. Uh, you know, you uh, you not only couldn't sell it, you couldn't hardly give it away. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, I heard an announcer one time, my, my girl started playing Western Swing Fiddle Contests. Uh, and that was... That oh, was, wow. Oh, yeah, man, that, that was great. And one poor bluegrass fiddler one time at one of those contests made the mistake of entering the contest. And uh, the announcer, it, it really was ugly for him to say it, but uh, he said, you know, these bluegrass fiddlers, he said, they uh, they must not like these tunes very well because they seem to be in a hurry to get them over. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. But, uh, but but uh, you sat, you had some special circumstances where you sort of had to make the transition from banjo to mandolin we're going to play a little uh, mandolin solo here at some point that uh, we got you to record for us but um, yeah uh tell about uh what happened to you yeah i i was a real exercise in that i try to keep in shape and and i guess it's helped because i'm 81 still in fairly good shape but anyways i played racquetball like every day for at, at noon if i could get away from the practice and yeah. uh and I probably played too much and, and didn't rest properly. But anyway, long story short, I ended up getting up, damaging my radial nerve because it got the, the, the muscles in my forearm would swell so much 
it would ache, but I didn't pay any attention to it being then, and, um, and um, <clears throat> eventually just damaged my regular nerve. So I got with my fingers. I wouldn't have noticed it if I wasn't a banjo player, but I got with, I did a finger movement. Well, it might be off an eighth or a sixteenth of an inch. Well, anything you do in real life, you, you'd never even notice that. But when you play the banjo, that meant I played at a fairly high level by that time. You um, you really noticed it. Now I just all of a sudden my banjo playing started getting my finger like my thumb and my finger would be like go under the string. I mean my fingernail would because the the pick would be down just a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, so so I got where I just really was my banjo playing started getting getting bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that time I was playing in bluegrass band with my two kids. They're both really good musicians. My oldest son Anthony, our youngest son Anthony is about 40 and he plays uh, bass and a great singing voice. And my older son, FB, is uh, 47, I guess 46, 57 years difference. And he's a really, really good lead guitar player. And uh, he can play, he plays Tony Rice style, but he does, he's not a Tony Rice clone. And I was like playing with him because we did a few things with the band. I would sing uh, My Window Face of the, the South. Yeah. Uh, and he, would, he was playing that He's where he was a Texas guitar player. I mean, he could just, he was a, a comedian. He could play whatever, because he played all kinds of music growing up. So he could play whatever the occasion called for. I mean, he can really good. But anyway, so then I, I, I got with my banjo player was getting bad. So I had to, I said to the guys, I said, the new banjo player was town. We got to, I got to get off banjo. So Kevin Gore, a really great guy, moved to town. And Kevin's a really good banjo player. He's from uh, California. But he used to play, he was Abe Witcher's banjo player out there. Well, now Abe Witcher's, Chris Teeley's fiddle player. So that's the level musician oh, uh, wow. that Kevin is. He's really wonderful. And he also plays some swing. He plays guitar and he likes swing. He plays a lot of Alan Matt Monday style banjo. Um, oh. And Kevin still comes back to, Char- to Charleston to visit us sometimes. But um, he uh, he now is living in Dallas. He works for, he did work for, <clears throat> Uh, Boeing, he's retired now, but he's a great musician. He's trying to find some people to play anything with around Dallas, but he's not had a, had good luck. So he might, if he didn't know anybody, let me give you Kevin's phone number. He'd love it. Oh, anyway, so yeah. Kevin is a great banjo player. And Kevin started playing banjo, and I told him, and the man I'm playing, he was a guy named Jared uh, Fisher. <clears throat> he's actually an optometrist. Anyways, and so we, um, so I switched to Maryland. Well, I could play mandolin, but I never really studied mandolin, you know, so I could kind of walk out of tune, so I really had to study mandolin. So then I just really started working really, really, really hard on mandolin. And so that was probably about almost, wasn't quite 10 years ago, it was probably six, seven years ago. And so uh, I spent a lot of time in and got, you know, got reasonable on mandolin. It's good enough to play in a bluegrass band. <clears throat> and uh, but then I got to the point where I'm just at age where I don't feel like playing three-hour gigs outside in the sun and <laughs> two days in a row, so I, I, I'm a retired guy. Yeah. So I stopped playing bluegrass with the group, but um, I still would play with this friend of mine, Josh Combs, another good friend of mine, and Bart Saylor, who's a good all-around musician. I get together with him every Monday morning. We play a couple hours. Josh usually comes Wednesday night, and then... On Wednesday mornings, we got this group where we play swing music, and there's a story how that happened. Do you remember David Brown, Jamie Fiddler? Oh, uh, uh, he was here when you were here. I, I don't. Anyways, oh, don't. David's from North Carolina. Good, real good fiddler. I placed piano, good fiddler. Anyway, 
So uh, there's this place called, you remember Bethira? Was that going when you lived here? No. Uh-uh. That, that, well, was a little place called Giantina's Picking Parlor. It's out in the Hellhole Swamp area, about 40 miles out of Charleston. <laughs> it's way back in the woods next to Euro Track. But forever, forever, they have every Saturday night, they have just like a jam there, and people get on stage and play. Pretty much all bluegrass, some country, mostly all bluegrass. And that's been going on forever. So I used to go there, and I still go. So recently I went there, I mean, maybe uh, about two years ago I went there, and David Brown said, come on the stage and play Malibu. So I did, he got up there, and he said, you want to sing a song? I said, sure, I'll do My Window Face is South. I used to play that banjo. Now I play it on the man. No, I never played in the banjo. I take that back. Okay. When I was in the bluegrass band playing mandolin, I started playing my finger face to the south mm. and, uh, Good song. and learned to yeah. sing it. <clears throat> That's a great song. Yeah. And so I learned to sing it. And so I played that with this group with David. And when I was walking off stage, a friend, another friend of mine, another fiddler named Rich um, Davis, said, Wow, he says, I really like that window face to the south. I said, Yes, I like that kind of music. But you know, Swings about all what I really like to play, and I said seriously. He says, "Yeah." I said, well, I'm. I said, I like swing too. So, so he said, "Well, let's get together." So we started getting together every Wednesday at his house, just messing around, playing all kinds of swing. And uh, of course, I'm studying like crazy because swing's a lot harder, I think, than bluegrass. I mean, in some ways, it's easier, but it's you know, it's a little more intellectual. You have to know a lot more theory and, and chords and all. that. you just have a great great ear. Now, Richard's one of these guys who doesn't know anything about chords or scales or anything, but he's got such an ear that he just hears Stefan Grappelli play something and he plays it. I mean, he's just that kind of a guy. Uh, I'm not. I got to work at it. But anyway, so um, so then we were playing. We played at his place for about a year, and then we said, we need to get some other people. So we got a guy named Kevin Bivens who played guitar, another guy, Roy Kimsey, who I think Jamie knows, who plays bass for this. And Roy is from West Texas someplace. And he grew up two-stepping, and he knows all the Barbell two-stepping. So Roy's kind of our Texas guy. Kevin Bivens, who's a, uh, a guy who lives in town, really smart guy. He's from West Virginia, but he, he likes gypsy jazz and, you know, dog tunes, David Gibson stuff. So Kevin is kind of a gypsy jazz guy. And then um, <clears throat> uh, Roy, I mean, uh, uh uh, Rich knows all, kind of all kinds of stuff, and then I, I like it all. So, so we yeah. all we do is we get together every Wednesday, and then there's uh, we have a couple other people which kind of come and go, but that's the core group at this group. And uh, we try to keep it all swing. Uh, that's about the only rule we have. And what'll happen? Somebody say, "Well, I want to, I want to play this, or I want to play that next week," and we usually let you know, and then we we do it and we work on it and. Uh, and um, I can tell you, for example, I don't know how much this you're interested in, but let me just tell you if I can find it real quickly here. Um, hold on. Adele, let us go ahead and play your uh, clip. Uh, sure. You're you're playing mandolin here, and it's not it's not bluegrass. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a ride you're, ride you're taking. It actually was maybe a Ray Price song way back. Uh, what's um, What's the name of the song? Um, it's um, Texas is calling me home. I think it's a, mm-hmm. it was actually a, yeah. a Bob Will song, but the version I'm doing is um, the, the, where I kind of learned it from. To do it in D is um, um, it's not Bob Will, but uh, 
Tommy Hooker. It was recorded in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuba. Okay. So it, I, I kind now he Tommy Hooker. He does. He goes on up to E. We don't. We keep it right in D. But um, so I just was kind of messing with that song because it's one that, again. That's how it happened. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Roy said I want to do Texas Home and Home. Okay, so I get on YouTube like we all do, you know, and, and found it. And uh, the two versions. Cool. And I saw the mess. That couple is playing mandolin. There's not that much mandolin except when you hear Tiny Moore, and he's playing electric mandolin, which is more right. like electric guitar. Right. And same way with Johnny Gimbal. So it's hard for me to find, you know, to do real copies, except for Jeff, if you can find some of Jeff or Burns did or Don Sternberg. But they're few and far between. Now, the Gypsy Jazz got all the Christmas stuff and people doing that. But even so, I'm usually the odd man out and when it comes to having somebody you can just copy. I'm usually having, you know, steel fiddle breaks or manly guitar breaks or something and make it up myself. So, we're going to go ahead and play it, George, and uh, just kind of, you can hear it down the line. Sweet boy, that's good though. Yeah, well, thank you. I, like I, uh, you know, I love chord changes and harmonies and all that stuff. That's I guess why I like swing so much because you get to do some more, so much more of that than you're doing bluegrass. You know, out here when you and uh, my country band, we do, we do quite a bit of swing. And uh, in my country band, I, I think we can make an important distinction here between uh, gypsy swing. And the Western swing that, near, oh, no that nearly always has either a non-pedal or a pedal steel guitar. Right. Uh, and uh, I had a, a, a really close friend passed away uh, three or four years ago. Time gets away. But uh, now he played an eight-string mandolin, and, uh, and he played gypsy jazz. Uh, and he was a a tremendous musician as a lot of those guys are and of course he played an eight string like you did and of course like you said uh tiny and and those other players they were playing uh i think most of them if not all of them were playing a mando caster which was fender's yeah. fender's version of the uh just a four it was just a four string instrument five string yeah. maybe sometimes and the most popular mandolin is put out by what gibson yeah, I guess the, you would the say. Big one, the, the big one. Yeah. Is, that, is that right, George? Is that what you play? I play, I should say Gilchrist. I'm not familiar with Gilchrist. He's yeah. a yeah, builder yeah. in, yeah. in Australia. He's a high-end builder. And uh, I play a Gilchrist. I, um, you know, with all these builders now, like Gilchrist, and, and oh my goodness, there must be George 50 of them that are. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, they probably easily outsell gibson now wouldn't you think wouldn't you think so uh i don't know all me all combined together yeah yeah they probably do combine together yeah i think uh i think uh Gilchrist brings the group over he brings his band was over to uh, carter vintage in nashville once a year 
He usually brings about maybe 12 or 13, something like that. So he builds the year. But there's real, the real top-notch builders are Gilchrist and um, the guy who does Nuggets. And I guess Model Young's if they even make them anymore. So there's very few small, the real high-end builders are few and far between. And, yeah. and, and they, of course, they're expensive, but it's a great instrument. The one I have is, you're familiar with Ronnie McCoy. Yes. John McCoy. Well, he plays an a, a 80s model, but it's an X-Brace Gilchrist which is made from red maple and uh, an Engelman spruce top, where most mantles are made from hard maple, sugar maple, and usually have a, a um, uh, you know, a, a spruce top, or like a California, whatever, western, whatever, you know what I'm talking about, like a tar suit, that's spruce. So I've got a mantle which is built along the same as Ronnie McCory's. I, I bought it used from Carter Vintage. And I'm just in love with it. And it's just a great, great mount. It's powerful and got a great tone and clarity. And I think it's that X bracing with the red spruce and the Engelman top, which is, is unusual, but I think it's one of the best best combinations there is. Well now, the if, mantles, if you were to wood, wood. Yeah, go ahead. If you were to journey about a hundred miles south, you know our our good buddy uh, Red Henry that you played in the band with when he was in yep. the Air Force there in Charleston. Uh, he's yeah. got a couple of Randy Woods mandolins. Yeah, uh, he's down what around Savannah. And yeah, I, Randy's a real good friend of mine. So I've I got a Randy Wood. I've had two or three of them through the years, um, and they are they are really good mandolins. They've got a different sound. They've got. Uh, they've got their own sound, and I, I like it, and it's really good for bluegrass. It's good for anything, but, man, the the, the clarity and the, uh, I'm saying, I don't sure you don't put this in the show, because I don't want to compare Randy to somebody else in the show. But, <laughs> but you know. Well, they, may, um, they may send you a free one. Gil the Gilchrist are just a different animal. I mean, they're, they're you know, it's like a, I guess there's a, a concert fiddle and a violin and a fiddle as you can play just fiddle music on. I mean, it, they just got so much more. I mean, it's got a clarity and a, I don't know, to my ear anyway. But, I mean, they're good. I, I you know, a lot of people were still playing Randy Woods uh, with the SD Franks has Randy Woods. And they're great. And what I have is really great, too. Um, but I just fell in love with the Gilchrist on. And it comes down to everything. You know, what do you prefer? One person likes the Gilchrist, somebody else likes the Collins, somebody else like wants the Gibson. You know, yeah. everybody here is a little different. And that's what it is. But Randy's a, Really good friend, and I, I bought stuff from him, and he's done a lot of repair work for me. And I played a lot of music down on his place, and uh, I still have a Randy Wood, which I like, but I just I like I prefer the Gilchrist. Uh, George, you and I are about about same age. Is Randy? Uh, is he? You know, he was there in Nashville. Uh, he had the pick and parlor in Nashville. Yeah, that's uh, where I met him. Yeah. And you know, you and I never met then. I mean, I was I was coming down there, hanging out at George's place and station in. Wow, and, uh, isn't that crazy? And we never met. I was living in Louisville. Uh, That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Randy still uh, building mandolins, or does yep. he? Yep. Yeah. You know what? His Irene, his wife Irene died, unfortunately. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. But um. Yeah, he's still building mandolins, and he has little concerts down. He's got a little concert hall now. Yeah. To put on a concert. Is he he's older than bit, us? A little bit younger. He's wow. A, he's about five years age. He's 80, I think. 
George, it's hard to find somebody older than us. Yeah, I know very few. But very what few. you need to what you need to do is uh, schedule a trip to Dallas to see your good buddy, and uh, either make a wrong turn and wind up in Houston, or else um, <laughs> I'll I'll deliberately come up to Dallas and we can. I sure would love to see you well, in Pickwick again, my bud. Man, I wish I did live in your area. I'd, I'd come and sit in your band just for free. <laughs> well, I'd let you do it. Well, that's <laughs> that's how he gets people in his band anyway. They're all working for free. You know, nobody gets any big yeah, money. I know, <laughs> I know how that is. Yeah. Um, you, you'd, be making, yeah, uh, you'd be making nearly as much as they do. I we, have a brother-in-law and two uh, and a nephew that still live, that live in Dallas. They lived in 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 Houston, but they moved to Dallas. Oh. And, uh, well, yeah, so. Now, do your boys do your boys live in Charleston? Yes, they do. I'm fortunate. Really fortunate that way. <laughs> and my youngest son has two beautiful grand, two daughters, which are my granddaughters. Yeah. Oh, this will be like this. They're both playing fiddle, of course. Oh, that's He's a great. real good cool. piano player and bass player. And they play playing fiddle, and they're, uh, they're six and eight. In wow. fact, they just had a at a music camp uh, up at, uh, what's the name of that camp? Uh, um, what's that camp they were at North Carolina? You know, George, it sounds yeah. it, it sort of <laughs> sounds like uh, y- you belong to the Sloan family because, you know, every one of those people, they got so much musical talent, it's unreal, you know, and it seems like it's spreading through your family as well. Well, I wish I had the Sloan voice. Now, my son Anthony <laughs> has the same voice, but... Uh, I've never had a good lead voice. I can sing tenor pretty well, but I uh, guess because it's so high, I build it up. My lead voice is so tiny that unless if I have a microphone, I'm okay. I mean, I sing on key, but but I don't have much. I just don't. I'm not really a lead singer. Man, my uh, my banjo player when I was in Charleston was uh, Billy Blackburn, and he was a Reno style oh, yeah. banjo player. And Lord, yes. And uh, I've lost touch with him. He called me about. Uh, decade ago and he said man i've been telling these guys over here what a great singer you are and i said you need to change that to past tense buddy <laughs> <laughs> i think he's still good myself i think he's still man good. You i'm sure he is you just i've lo- heard some of your things on on that you put on youtube or whatever i've seen them and you sound your things right? oh yeah he does good well you just lose a little bit every year and you you and i you and i talked about it uh that uh you used to sing some lead and now it's Maybe a little harmony is all every now and then, so it's yeah. And you know, and I've got some older friends. I mean, we're older when I was younger. <laughs> they were singers, and I just saw them go through the thing. You know, and they got the guys all of a sudden they got where their voice got a little weaker, a little more wiry, and all of a sudden they just stopped singing. You know, wow. yeah. <clears throat> you know, Ray Price that I got to know and uh, hang out with some. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, he uh, way back when he did like he did a song called City Lights. And uh, he recorded that way back when in the key of B flat. I I struggled to reach it in A. And uh, the last time I went to see him, he did City Lights and he did it in the key of F. That much, uh, yeah, that much lower. And yeah. you know the way he yeah. was blessed. He he went from having a beautiful tenor voice to having a rich baritone voice. Oh really? And, wow. And so he was able to keep that career going till the very end. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I speak along those lines. I, I was at a, a fiddle thing up at uh, Union, wherever Union Grove, and Doc Watson was the guest artist. 
Uh, he was like 83 yeah. at that time, which I thought was ancient, you know. And that guy at 83, that old son of a gun could still play the guitar really well, and his voice was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he, that guy aged very gracefully. Mm-hmm. You know, there are artists that can sing up and up until they're, you know, like like Bray Price. I mean, he, he actually could yeah. sing in his 80s, you know, right before he passed. You know, yeah, it, it is amazing. Yeah, it um, is. But, it really is. Uh, but again, my point about him is if he had tried, when I heard him those the last few years, if I, I bet you if he had tried to do City Lights and B-flat where he did when he was young. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't happen, would it? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, not necessarily. Well, George. Well, you know, you can hear that in the bluegrass guys, too. I mean, like you listen to early, <laughs> oh, yeah. early Tony, oh, yeah. or Tony Rice, and they all kind of mm. moved on yeah. down a couple of keys. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And, and you know, when guys tried to sing bluegrass songs in, in Bobby Osborne's key, you know, every now and then oh, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be compelled to do Rocky Top. And uh, <laughs> and I had to strain to sing it in G. Mm. Yeah, you can do it in B. Yeah, for sure. Well, George, George, I tell you what, man, it has been uh, a great conversation with you. We appreciate you uh, taking the time out to to talk with us. We uh, I'm very honored that you would even invite me. <laughs> yeah, if you get down if you get down to Houston area, you just have to come on over, and uh, we'll do we'll do another one live as you sit before us here. Yeah. I'll I'll that have a guitar. I'll have a guitar and you can have the mandolin. But I oh man, that would be good. Yeah, but man, I, we I, never stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, buddy. We'll see you later, man. All right, thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye, folks. You can listen to the Big Show on all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. And just remember, you can support the podcast by following us and hitting the link below. Don't forget to share it with everybody that you know. And folks, we will see y'all on another one. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.